I spent this past Thursday at a local 4th of July celebration in the neighborhood that Julia grew up in, in Palo Alto. And we've been to this festival many times before, eight or ten times at least. It's almost exactly the same every year. There's a band drawn from the neighborhood that plays Stars and Stripes Forever, and sometimes a Queen or U2 song thrown in for variety. There are floats made of wagons that little kids have built with their parents. There are dogs and bikes and babies on parade. There's an adorable drill team of six-year-olds that does a routine that hasn't changed in 50 years, except that now boys can be part of the drill team, too. <laughs> there are sack races and three-leg races and a balloon toss. And the first time I went to this festival, I almost couldn't believe it existed this kind of quintessential small-town Americana thing in the middle of Silicon Valley. I almost expected to see Harold Hill from The Music Man walk around the corner. <laughs> and there's something encouraging, perhaps, about seeing unabashed patriotism, cornball patriotism even, in the middle of Palo Alto, where you can't throw a stone without hitting a Prius, where arugula-eating, farmers-market-shopping, NPR-subscribing people sit around in a park singing along lustily to Lee Greenwood's God Bless the USA and hitting the cymbal crash right in the middle of the last verse. There is something satisfying about that scene, and yet also incongruous, because we know that even as the water balloon toss and the tug-of-war were going on. People elsewhere in this country were keeping the 4th of July in cages, overcrowded in detention centers in buildings with the American flag flying outside. Children huddled under mylar blankets on concrete floors. Toddlers taken from family members and left to be cared for by others who were just children themselves diapers unchanged, and clothes unchanged, and bodies unshowered, and all the other things we have been hearing about and seeing in pictures and on our TVs. People who came to our shores carrying no bag, no purse, no sandals. And we are the town that has failed to welcome them. The images that have flooded our media in the past month have made it clear to those of us who are citizens of this country that appalling things happen to people in our name, by our government, under our flag. And of course, this is not the first time. This country has done many great and marvelous things in its history. And this country has also done some not great things. There's a narrative of progress and democracy and justice in our national story. And that narrative is also intertwined with a narrative of genocide and racism and violence. And we live in this complicated place. Which brings up the question on this 4th of July weekend, how should we as Christians feel about our country? What's the right stance and behavior and attitude to take as followers of Jesus who are also inhabitants of a particular place? It's a hard question because a lot of the Christianity that we see in the public discourse has a very simple answer to that question. 
A lot of the Christianity that is prominent in our media says that we should wrap ourselves in the flag in church and treat faith in God and faith in country as almost the same thing, with almost no daylight between them. I don't see much justification for that stance in scripture. The New Testament certainly says we should pray for our governments and live peaceably in society. But it's also very clear that our true citizenship is in heaven. Certainly the church, the body of Christ, is a fellowship that transcends all nations and all borders. Not all of us who worship here or in any congregation are citizens of this country. In any Christian congregation where a visitor or guest or a member who's of another nationality is made to feel somehow a second-class citizen in the congregation because of that fact, that congregation is doing something very wrong. And at the same time as a Christian, I do think it's okay to love your country. It's okay to love it and be proud of it. And it's okay to love it and be critical of it. It's okay to love it and be proud of it and be critical of it. And sometimes when we're doing all those three things, the love is at its deepest. Now one reason to love your country is a very basic one, just because it's yours, because it's home, because its sights and sounds and smells are part of you. A little bit later this morning, we will be singing about purple mountain majesties and fruited plains, and those iconic images that do make up this part of the earth that is dear to so many of us. Sometimes we love something or someone not because of any objective features, but just because they're ours. At its best, family is supposed to work that way. Certainly, I think that Julia and Abigail are the cleverest, most delightful, and beautiful people in the world. <laughs> and I think that, not because I'm ranking them against others in some kind of objective competition, but because they're mine. I feel that way about this church. I know there are things in your life that you feel that way about. Country can be one of them. And we hear that kind of love for Israel and Jerusalem in our reading this morning from Isaiah. Rejoice with Jerusalem, all you who love her. Drink deeply from her glorious breasts. A passage that treats Israel as a beloved mother. All through scripture, and including in this passage and in the wider context of that passage, we see a kind of alternation between two images of love for Israel, for God's land and God's people. One image has Israel portrayed as benefiting from God's love at the expense of other countries, other nations, in a kind of us versus them scenario. But at other times, there's a different portrayal where God's love for Israel spills over and broadens to include all the nations of the earth as well so that Israel becomes a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. And I think that latter kind of love for place at the end is more faithful to the overall tone and the overall arc of scripture. Our love for a home place can become idolatrous when it leads to an us versus them mentality. But at its best, it can be something different. It can be a catalyst that leads us to want the same good for other places that we want naturally and easily for our own place. 
But there's a second reason, I think, also as Christians, that we can rightly love our country. And here I am talking specifically about this country for those of us that are citizens of this place. And that's because there are some things about this country to be deeply thankful for. We live in a place and under a government that for all its faults is shaped by a constitution that safeguards some basic liberties that many places don't have. We have the freedom to vote. We have the freedom to gather here on Sunday mornings or not to, as we choose. We have the freedom, when we disagree with something our government is doing, to fill the streets and make signs and demand change. There are other countries where those things are the case too, but there are a lot of countries where none of them are the case. And so I give thanks for that. This country, much though it may not always live up to its own stated values, has some values enshrined in its foundational texts about equality and democracy and human rights. And those are values that are grounded in the gospel. I don't mean that in the shallow sense where people sometimes proclaim that this is a Christian nation. And what they mean is that Christians should get special privileges. Rather, I mean it in the deeper sense that a government that treats everyone with equal dignity is congruent with our understanding of a God for whom all are beloved children. A country where Christians don't get special privileges, I would say is closer to the heart of the gospel than one where we do. Because we are to live in the end as strangers, as citizens of another kingdom, even while we pray for and love and work for the good of the society in which we live. So this 4th of July weekend, pray for this country. Give thanks for what is good. Ask God's grace to heal what's broken and set right what's unjust. And then do something patriotic. Go out and protest injustice. Go out and serve the poor. Go out and call this country more and more deeply to the values that it states. Go out and make some trouble. <laughs> Go out and make this land a better place in the name of Jesus.